Exodus 17, we read a remarkable story and one that is, is uh, familiar to us, I would imagine, because it presents such a vivid picture to the mind's eye. Anyone who has heard this passage of Scripture surely remembered it because of the picture that's presented as Moses stands there on the mountain with the nation of Israel battling with their arch enemies, the Amalekites below. And Moses holding the rod of God in his hand, symbolizing the power of God, symbolizing the sovereignty of God, the scepter of God is in his servant's hand. And as that scepter is held high, and what's implied here is that the Israelites could see it clearly and, and see that symbol of God's authority and greatness and his blessing upon them, that they prevailed in battle. But when Moses' arm began to tire, what a picture. And the rod of God began to, to lower the enemies of God began to prevail. And so Aaron and Hur stand beside Moses and each one of them holds up one of his arms. And they sit him down on a rock. The scriptures are so beautiful. Old Testament and New, it's Christ, isn't it? from beginning to end and everywhere in between God's people are taught that their hope their strength their glory is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ It wasn't the strength of Moses that caused God's people to prevail. His strength failed. But as he rested upon the rock, and as Aaron, who represents the Lord Jesus Christ, our high priest, held up one arm, and her, whose name means freedom, representing the Holy Spirit of God, holds up the other. God's people prevail against their enemies. What a glorious picture. And Moses, when the battle is won, he doesn't say, praise be to Aaron and her, and praise be to our great army, and look how well we prepared and all that. No. He says simply this, the Lord is our banner. The Lord Jesus Christ, who is our strength. The Lord Jesus Christ, who is our rod. In Isaiah 11:1, 1, it says, There shall come a rod, the rod of God, the authority of God, the power of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a rod with a capital R. It's a person, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he is lifted up, God's people prevail over all of our enemies, ourself, our own nature, 
our arch enemy Satan and all of his leagues, this world and its system of religion and government and everything else having to do with this world is the enemy of God. But God's people prevail over them as their banner is lifted high. The Lord Jesus Christ. At a, at a time like this in our own nation's history, it's easy and and certainly, I would, I would think um, appropriate that we think of, of uh, this illustration. I think this is good timing. We have inaugurated a new president over this nation. And we are members of one nation. Our forefathers said it this way, one nation under God. That's a pretty good way to say it. But we don't... Uh, we have no illusions as to what this nation is. We don't pretend as many to call this a Christian nation. Nations aren't Christian. People. God, God has chosen people, individuals. And uh, I don't know of a Christian nation. I know what's probably meant by that in, in some ways. This country was no doubt founded upon principles that were that could be called Christian in some sense. This nation is different than most. Are you proud to be a member of this nation? I am. I'm deeply proud of that. I don't say it's a Christian nation because I know that that's false and that this is an ungodly nation. All nations are ungodly. But by God's grace, there even the nation of Israel, it was called in a physical sense the nation of God, God's people. But they were a wicked and perverse and, and stiff-necked nation, weren't they? God himself, he didn't say you're a Christian nation. You're a stiff-necked people, that's what he said. You're a bunch of fools, and you won't listen to what I say, and you never will. So we don't brag on the nation and say it's a Christian nation. No, it's not. We see it for what it is. But at the same time, we thank God for what it is, don't we? For what God has done with this people called the Americans? Do you, did you ever wonder why America is so different than other nations? And in the inaugural address last night, the, the, the truth was, was mentioned by President Bush that, that no other nation ever in history has had the kind of power that America has had and yet not used it to pillage and plunder and conquer other nations just for the sake of conquering them. That's unique, isn't it? God has kept us from what we would naturally do. Even, even England, we think of England as a benign, you know, mild nation. They, they were some of the worst. Their history is fraught with, with conquering other people just for the sake of conquering and, and furthering the, the British nation. But America hasn't been like that. Why not? Why has God made us in some sense at least a good nation among other nations. And I think there's a real good reason for that. I believe because it was founded by his people. Don't you? In a book that I've been reading, uh, the, the, uh, what's the name of this book? By Lorraine Bettner, The Reformed Doctrine of Predestination is the name of the book. And it talks about the history of, of what we call Calvinism and how it relates to America and, and their 
prominent historians, not people that you haven't heard of, but prominent accepted historians that relate that most, if not all, of the founding fathers of this nation who were instrumental in building the fabric of this society were Calvinistic in their doctrine, and staunchly so. This country owes more than it realizes to God's elect. And that's why God has in some sense preserved us and kept us from the evil that we would have committed with the kind of power that we possess as a nation. But, uh, you know, that's, and we acknowledge that and we thank God for that. We live in a, in a unique place and I'm proud of that. And, and I'm offended by those who live in this nation and enjoy the freedoms that it enjoys by God's grace and yet speak evil of it and, and, and are enemies, in a sense, of the flag. You know, we talk about the flag. And that's what we're talking about tonight, only in a, in a far superior sense. But this earthly nation symbolizes what we'll talk about tonight. And all earthly nations do. The nation of Israel was a symbol of that, of what we'll talk about tonight, our spiritual banner. We all as a nation rally under a flag, a banner that represents us, that is the symbol of this nation. And those who would burn it, quite frankly, are offensive to me. And I don't just mean physically burn it, but do so in their hearts. And uh, anybody who's a good patriot would be offended by those enemies that dwell amongst us. But tonight we talk about not a physical banner, and we know that, that when Christ came to this earth, there are those who would, ha who would have had him to be the banner of his people in a different sense, in a physical sense. But he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Christ is not our physical banner, and we recognize no physical banner as believers, do we? They have what they call the Christian flag. Everybody knows that. It's got a little cross on it. That's offensive to me. Why? Because... What symbolizes, there, there is no physical thing that can symbolize this spiritual nation of God. Our physical flag, it's a beautiful thing. And, and I'm proud to fly it if, if I have the opportunity. Because I am one nation, I'm part of one nation under God. And that flag represents all that this nation stands for. But when it comes to the spiritual nation of God's people, we have no physical flag because we have no physical kingdom. Our, the kingdom of God is a spiritual one. And our banner is Christ himself. He represents all that we stand for, personally. And we are a member of him. And we pledge our allegiance to him, not to the flag. And I don't have any, I, I'm, I'm glad, and, and I'm glad my children know the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag. There's nothing wrong with that, is there? Because we know what that means, what it represents in an earthly sense. I want them to be good countrymen, don't you? And good patriots. But in a spiritual sense, I don't pledge allegiance to any physical flag. And they have a pledge that they say, you know, for the Christian flag. That's offensive to me. And it's against, it's anti-Christ. Because the scripture reveals that we pledge our allegiance not to a flag, but to a person who is our flag. To the Lord Jesus Christ himself, my allegiance is to him. 
like, like in the days of old, the knights would pledge their sword to their king. My sword is his. Lord, what would you have me do? I pledge allegiance to him. I throw down arms and surrender to him. And I submit to his rule and authority. And there is no physical flag that can represent that. No, he, the Lord, is my banner. And that's what Moses said. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who represents God's people and around whom we rally and around whom and under whom we are one. Is, do you, does that make sense? One nation under God and the flag represents that oneness as it flies over this nation and many of us have them in our yards or whatever. We pledge allegiance to that flag and in the sense that we are countrymen, we are one and that flag flies over all of us. That's the Lord Jesus Christ to his people in a spiritual sense. We are one in the sense that we are in him. And that we all, you and I alike, owe everything that we have to him. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. We're his. We belong to him. And our allegiance is to him. And we fight for him. And we do so willingly. And we do so jealously. The Lord Jesus Christ is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. And this is one of the senses in which that is true. The banner of a country is lifted up and displayed to signify a particular people. Our flag separates us from other countries. We have a flag and they have a flag. And all those who fly this flag are one in the sense that we are members of a particular people. And that's Christ. Christ, in his distinguishing grace, has set apart for himself a people. And it's not the nation of Israel. It's not the nation of America. He says it's from every nation, every kindred, every tribe, and every tongue. You can't put your finger on a physical map and say there's God's people. But God has a distinct and particular people. And we are represented in that sense by our banner, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're one in him. We're one in him. And, and that's, the, that's the flag, isn't it? We fly a flag over this one nation. And it separates us from other nations. Their flag is different than ours. It distinguishes us as a particular people in what it represents in what it stands for it represents and stands for the principles of this nation this nation has governing principles that are different from those of other nations Christ is the same way Christ's nation has governing principles what is it? it's Christ it's the person of Christ his will and his pleasure my all to his pleasure resign that's my governing principle and the banner is lifted up and displayed openly, isn't it? Openly. And, uh, you know, there are many things that, that people in this nation disagree on. We're, we're of different backgrounds and different society, different levels of society. And we walk in different circles and we have different opinions about different things. But you let an enemy invade this country and we all agree on something, don't we? We all have something in common. We're all Americans. And we've proven in our history you don't, you don't 
invade America and, and get away with it. Because we will rally around our flag. And, and, and believers are the same way. We're, we're, de we're from every kindred, tribe, and nation, and tongue under heaven. We have different opinions about things. We have different cultures and different ways of doing things. They do things a little differently down in Mexico than they do here in America. But we all worship Christ the same way, you see. We have that one thing in common. You let an enemy rise up against the Lord Jesus Christ. And we rally around our banner, don't we? We may differ on many other things, but we will rally around our banner. And we will do so with a jealousy, with a God-given jealousy and tenacity. We may compromise on many different things, but we do not compromise where it comes to our flag, to our banner. And we rally around him and pledge allegiance to him, and we don't compromise when it comes to him and what he means to us, what he represents, what he stands for. And uh, there are many divisions again, uh, among God's saints upon this earth that, that, that we regret. And there are things, and we don't presume to be the only believers on this earth. There, there are differences of opinion, and I could give examples of that. People don't administer baptism in the same way. We feel strongly about that. We don't sprinkle people here. We baptize. The word means to immerse, and that's what we do. And we don't, we don't, uh, we don't do it any different here, and we wouldn't. But that's not the, the point of, of issue, is it? Somebody can be wrong about that and, and, and still fly the same banner as us, surely. And people in churches observe the Lord's table in a little bit different way. Some people use real wine. Oh, my. That's shocking, isn't it? <laughs> that's a shock. Well, we don't do that here because that's offensive to some people. That's the devil's juice, you know. And that's fine. That's a difference of opinion. But others are, are just as vehement about they wouldn't use anything else but. Because everything else, uh, true wine is not corruptible. And that is, is seen by some to be an essential element of the table. As a symbol of the Lord Jesus Christ who is incorruptible. That's a difference of opinion. And we, we may feel very strongly about the way we do that. But that's, that's not the vital point of issue. We rally around our banner as one. Though we differ in many other things, we do not differ in this, that the Lord Jesus Christ is our banner. And, and we pledge our allegiance to him, and we are one in him, who he is and what he did and why he did it and where he is now. The essential Christ, all of Christ, and nothing but Christ. We don't vary in that. Not where it comes to Him. There is this one rallying point around which all true believers meet. And that is the person and work of Christ whose name is the Lord, our banner. We are all one in Him. And we are all jealous over that. Just as we, it gets my blood up to see enemies oppose this country in a physical sense 
It gets my blood up. And in a spiritual sense, it does so when God's enemies rise up. Read the Psalms and you'll see a, if I can blend the two together here, a patriotic defense of the truth of God. And in times of war or conflict, the banner directs and encourages our national anthem. I think it's a beautiful song. I wish it said a little bit more about God, but it's a beautiful song. And it talks about, oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. The writer of, the, of that song knew that as long as that banner was seen to be waving, then our enemies had not taken over and conquered us. Because that is the point of conflict, and that's the point of attack. If the enemy can secure our flag and desecrate our flag, then they've won. And that's true in a spiritual sense, isn't it? We have enemies in a spiritual sense, and it's, there's a parallel here. Our, the enemies of this nation are not necessarily my personal enemy. The people that would invade this country and perhaps take it over or, or have that intention, they don't even know who I am. Their enemy is our flag or our nation and what it stands for. For whatever reason, they are opposed to this nation, not to me personally. And that's true in a spiritual sense. God, the enemies of God's people, it's not me that they hate, it's my God that they hate. You see, it's my banner that they despise and what it represents, what he represents. It's the Lord Jesus Christ that they attack. And if they can, 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 can desecrate his name and slander his name and do harm to him, that's their intent, not me personally. But since they are the enemies of my flag, my Lord, they are my personal enemy. You see how that works? Because I am represented by him. And I am in him. I have pledged my allegiance to him. And if they're his enemy, they're my enemy. And Christ, of course, is attacked on every hand. Those who would kiss him on the cheek, even, are his desperate enemies. Those who would say a little something good about him and use his name in their, in their churches are yet betraying him for monetary gain and for whatever reason. But the Lord Jesus Christ is attacked in his person. The glory of his person is attacked because he is, he is given attributes that do not belong to him. And his true attributes are denied. We're in the middle of a study on who God is. And most of what we have had to say would be disagreed with by the religion of this world. Because they are attacking and opposed to the person of Christ. They disagree. They have a different Christ than we do. It's just as simple as that. They have a different God. And they are opposed to our God. They hate him. And because they hate him, they hate us. And because they are his enemy, they're my enemy. They attack his person and his attributes. His holiness is attacked. Because he is said to 
receive sinners on the basis of a decision that they make. My Christ is too holy to do that. He, he can't accept a sinner based on what they do because he's holy. So his holiness is denied. He is attacked, secondly, in this way, on the efficacy of his atonement. And what, how, how could they attack in a more vital place than that? Satan knows where to attack. He's a failure, and he ultimately shall be, and we all know that, and we don't fear him. But he know, he's a pretty good enemy. He knows how to attack. But he only does so as Christ allows him. He's already conquered, see? He's already defeated, and his eternal doom is as sure as the promise and authority of God. But he does, and all of his <coughs> servants attack the atonement and the efficacy of the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ because that's a vital place to attack, a vital place. The enemy of a nation goes for the throat, don't they? They go for the, the heartbeat of the nation. They'll go to a place where, the, where, our, where they can do damage to, our, our, uh, to something vital, to our industry in some way, or our communication system in some way. They go for the throat. God's enemies do too. The efficacy of Christ's atonement is vital, and we defend it with our very soul, don't we? Shouldn't we? mustn't we we do not compromise on this we may differ on a hundred different other things on how the worship of God should be conducted but we worship the same God we worship the same Christ and he is a Christ whose blood saves sinners he is a Christ whose blood is effectual in redeeming lost sinners and there's no compromise on that and as he is attacked in that, we rally, don't we? We rally. And we will defend together as one the vital truth of his gospel. The sufficiency of Christ's righteousness is attacked on every hand in subtle ways. People don't stand up in pulpits and say Christ isn't righteous enough to save you or his blood's not powerful enough to save you. No, no, the enemy is more subtle than that. The, 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 I said the Russians, they're not much of an enemy anymore. <laughs> but uh, the enemies of this nation don't just, you know, fly in, you know, in full colors and just, you know, they're going to find a, a sneaky way to come in and infiltrate. They're going to send spies, aren't they? God's enemies do the same thing. They'll send spies. And they may not even know that they're the spy. Satan is, is the master and he controls his servants. Christ said, if you're not for me, you're against me. And there are so many that are against him that would infiltrate and do despite to these truths of the gospel. But they don't get up and say Christ's blood's not powerful enough to save you. No, they'll say, oh yes, Christ shed his blood to save sinners. And if you'll just do this, his blood will be sufficient to save you. And they don't even say it that way. They don't even make it that obvious. Oh, Christ's blood is all sufficient, but you have to accept it. 
Oh, the Lord Jesus Christ, His righteousness is perfect and it's, it's good enough to save you. But unless you do this or that, He can't save you. What a thing to say. And I've heard that very sentence from their lips. He can't save you unless you let him. Oh, that is a flat, basic, and blatant denial of essential gospel truth. And it is a direct attack upon our banner. They've come to take our flag, my friends, and we have to rally. It's our privilege to rally. We're not afraid of losing. No, that's not why we rally. We rally all the more because we know we've won. The victory is ours. He's going to give the victory. He already has. It's already been ordained. But we rally proudly and gladly and with all of our hearts. And at all costs, we rally in his defense. The freeness of his saving grace is attacked Oh, yeah, our, the name of our church is Grace Baptist Church. What do you mean we don't know anything about grace? Oh, yes, it's all by God's grace that he has provided a Savior. It's all by God's grace that he's made salvation possible. That's not God's grace. God's grace is that he's come to this earth to save people, and that's exactly what he's going to do. That's the grace of Christ. And anything short of that is a personal attack upon our flag, my friends. I take that very personally, and God would have us to do so. Satan's constants, constant attacks upon our banner are to be expected. Christ said, don't be surprised if they hate you. That's what enemies do. They hate you. <laughs> Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. Don't be dismayed. That's the enemy's business is to hate and to oppose. That's not a surprise to me. It's ever to be expected because the banner is a symbol of our defiance against them. Let's just state it like it is. We're against them. If you're Christ and you have bowed to him and pledged your allegiance to him, I'm for you. <laughs> I'm with you. But if you deny him, if you deny any of these glorious truths regarding his blessed person, I'm again you. And I'm going to make it clear. And that's the way it ought to be. The lines ought to be drawn, shouldn't they? I don't want it to be unclear who the enemy is. I want them to wear a different uniform than I do. And I'm going to put on a different uniform than what they have on. Because I want to know who they are. And I'll tell you this. I don't know anybody's heart. But I know this. The scripture says. This, this is how you'll know them. If they confess Christ. <laughs> if they deny him in any way. His person and his effectual redemption. His his free and full and effectual grace for, upon sinners his full pardon of sinners his effectual atonement his spotless righteousness and salvation only by the imputation of that righteousness by his gracious decree and will if they, if they don't confess him in that then they're not of the spirit of God and they're wearing a different uniform than what I wear and I openly oppose them. And I don't make any bones about it. 
the flag is a symbol not only of unity and oneness, but it is a symbol of defiance. We fly our flag in the face of the enemy. When Moses stood there with the rod of God in his hand, what that said to the people of Israel is, Oh, our sovereign God is with us. He's watching over us. He's fighting the battle for us. We can't lose. But what did that say to the enemy? It said something different to the enemy, didn't it? It was a defiance of them. It said to them, here we are. And you're going to have to deal with God. Because we're his people. A symbol of great defiance against the enemies of Christ. And we don't... That, I'm not squeamish about that, are you? I'm not interested in compromising or watering down the truth of God so we can all just be one big happy family. No, we're not. We're enemies. And we always will be. Unless somebody throws down arms on the other side and comes on over by the grace of God. By the grace of God. Oh, Christ is a banner to those that fear him. Listen to Psalm 60 and verse 4. We'll quit early tonight. I don't have a long lesson tonight, but there's so much on this. I want to give you some scripture that you can look at later, if you would. Because Psalm 60 and verse 9, I believe it was. This is, uh, this is a little different translation that I'm reading from. It's the New King James, which is a little, uh, it's got more modern grammar in it, but it's, I believe it's essentially the same. Uh, let's see, I must have looked at the wrong verse here. Verse 4, okay. You have given a banner to those who fear you, that it may be displayed. God gave us a banner. He gave us a rallying point, the person of Christ. Why? That it may be displayed. A flag, you don't, you don't buy an American flag and stick it in the closet, do you? Not, that's not the purpose for it. Maybe you do that. But that's not, a flag is meant to be flown, isn't it? And if I'm Christ, I'm his openly. We read a verse, a passage of scripture in the office a while ago, Glenn, didn't we, that, that had to do with this. They were talking about Christ at that feast, Jack, that you read about. But they wouldn't say anything about him openly because they feared the Jews. Oh, there's no other way to speak of the Lord Jesus Christ except openly. A flag is given to, for what purpose? To be displayed. And what, what's the cause? The truth. Look at it. That it may be displayed because of the truth. There is, there is a cause, isn't there? Oh, yes, yes. There's a reason for our flag to be flown openly. It can't be hidden. What a disgrace. A man doesn't light a candle and put it under a under a bushel oh no no the candle the light is 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 the purpose of it is to light things to be displayed so that the room is illumined and we fly our banner openly don't we these things weren't done in a corner no no and they aren't now we're obscure and we're so in such a minority on this earth that that you might look at it as being done in a corner, but I tell you, we fly our flag as openly as we can. We're not ashamed of the gospel, are we? Just because it's different than what everybody else is saying? Are you ashamed of it a little bit? 
then, then you don't have you, then Christ is not your banner because a banner is given to be displayed and there's a reason for that because of the truth there's a difference there's a cause and we fly our flag with a cause he's a banner to them that fear him and uh, in three senses and we'll be brief about this Christ was given to us as our banner by God our Father he gave us the Lord Jesus Christ to be our banner of salvation from eternity past from everlasting before ever the earth was Christ is our mediator our substitute our Messiah our King our Lord and our Savior and when the fullness of time was come he gave his son in that little manger in Bethlehem and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and Christ was displayed wasn't he he was openly displayed to this world not the way they wanted not as a physical earthly flag not as not to form some kind of an earthly nation however badly they wanted that to be but no my kingdom is not of this world but he was flown openly and displayed openly when he they stripped him and beat him and 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 scourged him and put the crown of thorns on his head and he walked out on that porch and Pilate said behold the man he was openly displayed before men and there's a pride in that I identify with him in that he's my banner to most he is a despised failure and I mean even those that use the name Jesus and say, thank you, Jesus. The true Christ, when he is preached in spirit and in truth, he is rejected and hated by even those who would kiss him on the cheek. But I bow and submit that one with that crown of thorns on his head and that mock purple robe upon his back and his blood pouring out to the ground, that's my king. Everything that I have is his. I bow to him. My allegiance in every way is to him. And I do so gladly and proudly and openly. That's what baptism is. In a sense, it's an allegiance to him. I identify myself with him. That one that's hated and despised and rejected. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He's my God my Lord and my God how about you and then Christ is given as a banner to those that fear him not to everybody one nation under God well this whole nation is not under God is it not in the sense of his grace and love and distinguishing favor no 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 but he is given to those that fear him. That's what we read there. To those that fear him in Psalm 60. Only those who fear God, who respect, who bow to his way of salvation. That bloody one, that despised one, that so-called failure. He's God's way of salvation. He's my king. He's my Lord. And if you're his enemy, you're my enemy. Those that fear him, who are in awe and respect of him, carry him as their banner. And my only fear in this 
is that I would somehow be a disgrace to him. My only fear in bearing his name is that he'll preserve me from in some way dishonoring him. And then thirdly and lastly, God has given us to Christ as a banner to be displayed because of the truth. In order to display a banner, you have to take it out of its case and unfold it and put it up on a pole and let the wind fill it and let it be seen by everybody that passes by. And in order to display the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to know him. And I know that knowledge of him comes by grace. No doubt about it from start to finish. Everything that I learn about Christ tomorrow will be learned by his grace, won't it? But I know this, that he's revealed in this book. And don't you long to know him more? We display him, the, the more we know him, the more we display him, don't we? That's why we say, Lord, increase our faith. Not so that I might be promoted in some way, but that we might promote him all the more. Be a better countryman. Be a better servant of Christ by his grace. He's given us as a banner, Christ as a banner to be displayed because of the truth. And uh, I don't know about you, but I long to know the truth. The Lord Jesus Christ is the truth, and he is revealed in this book. And the Apostle Paul, who probably knew more of the grace of God in Christ, probably forgot more about it than I'll ever know, and yet in his latter days said, Oh, that I may know him. And I often refer to that scripture because that's, that's my desire, and I hope it ever shall be, that I might know the Lord Jesus Christ more intimately become closer and closer acquainted with him to rest more and more in him to more and more and more have no confidence in the flesh because I say with Paul I don't have any confidence in the flesh but I want to have even less don't you <laughs> to be more and more a subject of his to more and more pledge allegiance to him to more and more openly display him and I shall do so the more that I know him and I'll know him more the same way I came to know him by his grace oh, I won't by searching find him out but through searching by the grace of God may he reveal himself more and more to us and may we display him. I hesitate to say proudly because you know how we feel about pride. But this is a different pride, isn't it? This is a godly pride. This is, this is the Apostle Paul saying, God forbid that I should glory. And, and you know part of the meaning of that is this. God forbid that I should be proud. Save in this. The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is my banner and he is your banner and because he is we're one under him and in him.
that's a that's a blessing to me and I rejoice that we are in a spiritual sense one nation in the Lord Jesus Christ amen